Good evening and welcome to the Sunday Night Unwind. It is now past prime time. All of your scheduled appointment viewing has probably concluded unless maybe you got a late start to it. Who knows? I don't know. I do know that Last of Us on HBO finished up last week, so you're probably not watching that right now. Um, I personally, I was okay. Last of Us, I liked that it was mainly about, it was mainly about you know uh, the relationships. The best, the best horrors, the best zombie drama in general, but the best zombie stories aren't about the zombies it's about the people and i think last of us does a good job of that but maybe doesn't really doesn't have enough zombies at the same time you know we we saw some of these fungal fungal creatures and they are based actually on a real life fungi called uh, cordyceps the cordyceps fungi which really does affect a variety of insects and you know, causes them to sort of act all crazy. They're caterpillars too. Um, they have like a parasitic thing inside of them, whether it's a, the, a fungus or a bacteria that causes them to act erratically and strangely and do things uh, in the benefit of the affirmation parasite, causing causing them to, you know, climb towards the sun or, you know, allow themselves to be eaten or, you know, Cats actually kind of have something similar in the sense that uh, there is a bacteria called toxoplasmosis or a symptom or, or no, there's a there's a bacteria or something inside of cats that leads to a a condition called toxoplasmosis, something like that. And that is where you actually sort of uh, you act differently in in, in mice. It causes mice to lose their fear of cats, which allows the cats to then kill and eat the mice. That's the that's the way it works. So it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship there. But tonight, the zombies, the real life zombies that we are talking about uh, don't have any mind control, any kind of mind control in the in the in the type of uh, parasitic sense maybe in the sense of like nature nature's drive controlling the mind and the will of of the organism or creature that is affected in this case we're talking about the pacific salmon and uh biz biz says yeah nature can be beautiful and magnificent but also super gross and scary yeah we got a gross one for you tonight biz this is pretty gross uh, I and Biz also says I have not played or watched The Last of Us. Uh, it was an, it was a cool series. I haven't played the game. Everybody who plays the game like really gets sucked in. Apparently, that's that's what happens. So, so in any case, yes. So we are talking about zombie salmon tonight, and this is not some sort of exaggeration in in the sense that these are sort of salmon that are both living and dead. At the same time, there are many different sort of categories for salmon, right? Like you have, uh, no, not sorry. <laughs> there are many sort of categories for like zombies. Like you have like the, the voodoo mythology zombies, which is like, you know, people who are not 
like traditionally 100% dead. Maybe their heart was stopped and uh, they're under a strange trance. They're under a spell of some kind. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really generalizing and paraphrasing here. I'm sure if we did a much deeper dive on the subject, we'd see that it's way more nuanced than that. I'm just using really broad strokes here. People just want to make sure that, that, that I'm, that I'm saying that, um, you have, you have the zombies that were invented by George Romero that we've talked about quite frequently on this channel, you know, and those are flesh eating ghouls, you know, although ghouls themselves are, are creature myth mythological creatures that aren't actually uh, dead people. They uh, but they eat the bodies of the dead. So it's funny how a zombie eats the living and a ghoul eats the dead. That's the differentiation differentiation difference. We don't have enough ghouls in our media and literature, or at least not as many as I would like. I think that's something that that needs to be further explored. But, you know, the Romero zombies, the slow moving, rotting, walking dead that that Robert Kirkman would, you know, you take that template and then uh, run wild with it. Those are, you know, this is a pandemic. There's a there's a disease. There's a virus that causes the dead to rise and return. And, and you know, the idea is like, oh, well, you know, the, we're all infected with it. We all whoever dies is going to come back in that kind of way. And I suppose, you know, the most horrifying aspects of, or at least the monsterdom, the, the monstrous terrifying nature of a zombie. And really by extension, you know, Frankenstein's monster kind of falls into this light too. It's just this, this idea that, you know, all we know for the most part, you know, I'm not talking about meditation or, you know, uh, ayahuasca or LSD or any of the things that people do to sort of like get to the or yoga or like, you know, out of body experience, like anything that people do to like get outside of their consciousness, which I do believe. I do believe in all that stuff. And I love it. Like the idea that we are more than our physical bodies. We are. A, a, there's a consciousness that runs through us that, um, you know, outlives that that is not tied to whatever happens to our corporal form. And that's what we're really discussing here. That's what's really horrifying about the idea of a zombie is that our, this corporal form, which is the only thing that we know, you know, outside of that stuff I was just talking about that, it, that it, it eventually it's a finite thing. It breaks down. It rots. We, we, our bodies are temporary and eventually we will return to the dust from which we came we are composed, our bodies are composed of atoms that are billions of years old that, um, you know, uh, used to belong to lots of different creatures that probably walked the earth way before us and way after us, us being around, that sort of thing. So, you know, the idea of body horror and zombies and why zombies are so terrifying in part is because it's like, we're watching the only land bridge to reality and understanding and sort of like, you know, a sense of, of, of identity. We're watching it fall apart right before our eyes. And I think like to be a like conscious zombie is probably the worst. That's the biggest body horror of all because you cognitively might be, maybe you're aware. And again, we're talking about in fiction here. We're not talking about in real life. Um, you may be aware that you are actually breaking down and rotting and 
it's always played for comedy for the most part in, in, in literature and movies and things it's played for comedy. Oh, his arm fell off. We got to staple it back on, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, oh, where's the duct tape? Where's the rubber, rubber cement? You know, you look at my boyfriend's back, that sort of thing. Um, where he has to rubber cement his ear back on. It's, it's hilarious, but it's not, it's really not. There's a great film called I zombie, a chronicle of pain, which was put out by Fangoria in 1998. And it's like, it's pretty dismal. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty uh, depressing movie about this dude who literally just sits in his apartment and drinks uh, and eats people and chronicles his body falling apart. And, you know, like all of the, the terror, the terror that might come with something like that. So the idea, but, you know, we're, we're, we live in a comforting sense that, you know, apart from, Real life afflictions like leprosy and the very real, very, um, you know, uh, the thing that happens to so many people, you know, uh, everybody's in one way or another is touched by things like, you know, cancer, which also breaks down the body in all sorts of horrible. I mean, there's lots of stuff that does that where we cognitively aware. I mean, even aging, the idea of aging in a way is sort of like the most politest sense, this natural sense of our bodies breaking down. It's terrifying. It's for, at least for me, it's terrifying. It's hor horrifying. So the idea that, that there is something that really resembles this thing in literature. That's so scary. This idea of like a zombie, a rotting living th being um, just boggles my mind. And apparently that is the case with, with zombie salmon uh this is from strike and catch which is i guess a a, a fishing blog a fishing periodical they get really in-depth here we're going to look at two quick things about this as we haven't done a last last episode we did i think was the cryogenics episode the horrors of cryogenics check that out we always cover the grizzly stuff here the real life grizzly stuff so here we go we're doing an we're doing a, a good old uh uh read and scroll here on the channel as we do from time to time. No videos today. Uh, what are zombie salmon? Zombie facts explained. And this is written by, it doesn't say. It's from it's from Striking Catch, as I mentioned. Let's just see if there's an author here. I I'm not I'm not seeing one. If we if we come upon the author, we will take note of that very quickly. Uh, here's a picture of some people with some actual living, these are living salmon that are rotting while alive. And that happens. That's just what happens to these salmon. Many people have heard the term zombie salmon, but but not many know that this odd term equals one of nature's most impressive and intelligent designs. Is it impressive and intelligent? I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, maybe it's just like, it's just matter of fact. Tonight's episodes, once again, were sponsored by the, the bubbly, the bubbly uh, lemon sherbet. Uh, really great stuff. Great flavor. We're actually sponsored by riot stickers that's our real sponsor but we used to always say that we were fake sponsored and by the way this week we are coming up on our three-year broadcasting anniversary on this channel it has been three years we've been doing shows i haven't counted up i really should count up all the shows that i've done over the last three years that would be interesting to sort of see all the live broadcasts how many how many were done 
And that's not including all the videos that I've recorded and uploaded to the channel. Right now, there's about 1,300 videos on the channel. Some of those are clips. Some of those are YouTube shorts. You know, probably about 200 of those are YouTube shorts. But um, quite a large chunk of them are live streaming shows like this one right here. And it's just something we've been doing. And I don't know. I'm going to keep doing it until something happens where I can't because I love doing it. Uh, so who knows? But yeah, three years, three years, uh, I think three years and two days, three, two or three days. So we're going to try and bring you shows all week long. Um, all right, let's dive into it. When salmon make their challenging way upstream to reach their spawning grounds, they use up all their energy and their bodies start to shut down. This process results in fish that are rotting alive, hence the term zombie salmon. So there you have an actual scientific reason for which a zombie salmon could really exist. Like this idea of what we think of like a, a being that is both alive or animated and yet rotting. Although I would argue that this doesn't really fall into this. This is not an animated thing. This is a living creature who is, whose body is breaking down while still alive. If you want to know more about the somewhat scary topic of zombie fish and why they are so crucial to their natal rivers ecosystems, all you have to do is keep reading. Okay, we will keep reading. That is what we'll do. Yes, Biz, that is correct. It happens It happens uh, after the mating season. Um, pro tip. Oh, no, we don't need to know that. Why do salmon rot alive? I guess this is what they meant when they said impressive and intelligent design because... Well, we're going to, I mean, I guess this really does kind of surmise what the circle of life is all about in, in some ways. Why do salmon rot alive? All five, so there are five of them, all five Pacific salmon types start to rot during their migration towards their natal freshwater spawning, ground, spawning grounds because their bodies literally begin to shut down and eat themselves up. So it's a process of, of the body eating itself that causes that causes the, the body to fall apart. And when they're saying natal freshwater, spa, uh, freshwater spawning, yeah, I guess spawning is the term that we use for, you know, when salmon's, salmon's mate, they mate, they, they, shoot their, they shoot their nut and their eggs into the water and that mixes together. And the natal comes from the fact that it's like they're, 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 that's where they're born. So they return to the place where they're born to reproduce and to die all, all in the same place. This happens because the fish use up all of their bodily energy reserves during their journey upstream to ensure that they will, in fact, reach the spawning areas. We always hear about bears like catching the, the fish as they're climbing up what river. They're essentially you're, you're kind of swimming against the current to return to where you to return to where you're from. man. I mean, it's just so. It's just so crazy. It's just so crazy. What's up, Jake B? How you doing? Um, your dog tired, so time to sleep like a dog. That's how it works. Thank you, Biz. Three years. Yes, it's awesome. So that's crazy. So it's like you're literally, it's like a never-ending marathon where if you don't reach your goal, your body, your your goal is to have your body to start rot because you start to rot because you need to get back to the place where you were born so that you can reproduce. And in order to do that, you have to go upstream, which is, you know, against the natural current and use up all your energy in the process. That is insane. Um, 
we have it pretty good as as far as human beings go we have it pretty good not to have to do something as as drastic as that especially in larger rivers such as areas often found high up in the river system which means the salmon will have to cover a very long distance to get there upstream against the current we're talking anywhere from a few miles to a few hundred miles just imagine how much energy you would burn through on a journey like this that's right pretty much all of it and to be frank chances are you won't reach your destination at all that's really sad that's how oh 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 they're just saying that we wouldn't they're trying to prove that's how tough salmon really are because they do reach their destination over time Evolution has made them masters of upstream migration. No river is too long for them and no current too hard. So it's despite that, despite the fact that we, you know, in if it was us doing it, we wouldn't reach the destination. But despite all of these factors, the salmon still managed to do it. Uh, they will swim upstream relentlessly until they reach their spawning grounds and ensure that the next generation of salmon will see the light of day. And that's crazy, too, because you have to imagine that, like, the stakes are so high. Not only is our body breaking down and we're dying in the process, but if we don't succeed, then there will be no more of us to ensure that there's another generation of salmon. Uh, but this admirable dedication comes at a high price, decay and death. Using up all of the body's energy reserves is only half the story as the salmon also reduces its feeding to an absolute minimum during its journey upriver. That makes no sense to me. Um, why wouldn't you pack more calories? This, of course, drains the energy even faster, speeding up the process of decay, which with every day that passes. So they are on. So it's funny, you know, I'd always hear that like the fish die right after they spawn. And I guess it, it's due to this process. Furthermore, salmon have got something called immunosuppression, which implies a reduction of the activation or efficiency of the fish's immune system. So it's not even their immune systems aren't even working well. The salmon's immunosuppression commonly leads to organ deterioration and makes the fish vulnerable to diseases, fungi, and bacteria in case you had forgotten about the whole rotting alive thing. So that's crazy. So when your immune system breaks down, you're not, you're all the things that are trying to get into your body, all your white blood cells are not actively fighting all the things that are trying to get into your body and you rot. Crazy, 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 crazy. Uh, yeah, biz, exactly. Being eaten by a bear or rotting away. What a choice. I mean, <laughs> All of these factors, so and it's so interesting too because it's that, this idea that like we're not really sure, you know, there's a lot of different people who say like what like have said like there's a lot of different people that have explanations for what the meaning of life is. And from a biological standpoint, the only thing that seems to matter, you know, from an evolutionary biological standpoint is that we are here to reproduce pass on our genes to ensure their survival. And then we are no longer needed. And, you know, obviously that is not, I mean, with human beings, it's different. It's way more different than that. There's some people that choose to never even go through that process and they live very, very long lives. You know, um, 
there are some people who, you know, on, on a philosophical level, on, a, on an intelligent level, on an emotional level, the idea that like life is what you make it. That's what the meaning of life is. The, the meaning of life is whatever you make it to be, you know, or to find purpose. You know, there's like a, there's a, there's a bunch of different things that could go down a whole rabbit hole discussing what the meaning of life is. But from a biological, natural, evolutionary sort of like, like, agenda it's that we reproduce so that there is another one of us so that the species keeps going on some level right um and it's just kind of crazy to think that that the thing that that makes you reproduce is also the thing that's going to destroy you all these factors supporting bodily deterioration, decay, and ultimately death explain why migrating and spawning salmon are often called zombie fish. Uh, this extreme form of reproduction is called semil, semil party, semil parity, which simply means death after the first reproduction. It's the ultimate form of sacrifice and a brilliant example of nature's intelligent designs and adaptive ways of evolution. Hmm. Um, good, good evening, Angus. Yes, we are actually talking about real life zombie salmon. It is a real thing. And yeah, man, it's like, it's a crazy thing. But yes, zombie salmon, totally real. Totally a thing. And um, I'm looking here right now. Why do some organisms die? I'm looking at another article. This is like a science paper. Why do some organisms die immediately after reproducing some salmon and bamboos, many insects and all grain crops, while others live on to reproduce repeatedly, mostly plants and vertebrates? That is pretty interesting, man. And we could, we could sit here and just go you know go down a whole rabbit hole of that in and of itself this looks very complicated and scientific so i'm not going to i'm not going to sit and read it oh this is a wikipedia article that talks about salmon run no we're not going to do that either so the salmon's immunosuppression commonly leads to organ deterioration and makes the fish vulnerable to disease right we already read that part why do salmon start to rot? So here's a picture of a salmon that is actually starting to rot right now. The, the other article that I, there's a medium article. I have some great pictures of some rotting salmon that really show you what it's all about. Probably should have put that in the key, uh, keywords in the, uh, in the, in the title of this video. It is often stated that salmon's that the salmon's rapid bodily deterioration occurs between the time of breeding and their ultimate death. However, it is often observed that the process starts much earlier than that. In fact, salmon can start to deteriorate already at the very beginning of their journey upstream. However, most fish will begin to rot alive first after spending a few weeks or months in the river system. Could you now now translate that to a movie? You know, people traveling to a de de destination, rotting alive, and they have to they have to reproduce. They have to have sex in order to have children, and then give birth to those children while they're rotting, and then those children have to <laughs> grow. It's that's that's pretty grim. The exact starting point of the bodily deterioration. 
depends on a variety of factors, including the fish's genetics, the overall health of the fish, the amount of stored energy at the beginning of its journey, the water temperature, the strength of the river current, the distance to its spawning grounds, and the risk of external predation. Now, mind you, the current, could you imagine the wear and tear on the body with all of these factors going on? I mean, it's just insane. Angus says, I only eat wild salmon. I wonder if there's any effect of the farm-raised salmon with the zombie variety. Well, I think that, so this is only, this only affects salmon that are, that spawn, as far as I know, who knows? I don't know about Alaskan salmon, Atlantic salmon. I don't eat Atlantic salmon because the farm salmon, if they're, they have disease, it's not good. Atlantic salmon is not good for you. It's cheaper, but wild caught salmon is king. And uh, I try, I try my best to eat uh, sustainably caught wild caught salmon instead of Atlantic salmon. Um, so there, so there is that natural population control, I suppose. Biz doesn't like salmon personally. I love sa salmon's my favorite, one of my favorite fish to eat. It's just delicious. The fat, the fatty layers. Whew, it's good stuff. Uh, the last point is especially interesting as a study has found that predation by bears can influence the senescence, that's the that's the ability that's rotting wall alive of natural salmon populations in rivers. Essentially, the researchers concluded that populations where bears selectively killed fish showed advanced senescence. Uh, that wait, sorry. Essentially, the research researchers concluded that populations where bears selectively killed fish showing advanced senescence were those that senesced, I can't, I can't say the word, senescenced, senescenced, uh, least rapidly. I find that extremely fascinating. But no matter where they start to deteriorate, eventually zombie salmon will decay to the point of no return and cease to exist. It's part of their highly fascinating cycle of life. And even if the river they breed in and die in is their final destination, the work they do in it is far from over after death. Why are zombie salmon so important to the ecosystem? I agree. It does sound painful. And we're going to find out why, you know, uh, because rotting, it, it, it involves, you know, getting slimy and sticky. And you know what else is sticky? stickers like riot stickers riotstickers.com is the official sponsor of the from us channel and man we love riot stickers here they're offering a special deal with the from us channel at riotstickers.com backslash from us that's f-r-u-m-e-s-s -S. link is in the description and uh for 79 dollars you can get a thousand stickers these stickers have a uh they're printed on vinyl so they are waterproof they're three inches by three inches so that's a nice area of real estate for your sticking needs and they have a uv coating to protect from the sunlight so outdoors they're going to last maybe like five-ish years indoors maybe forever who knows so ridestickers.com ridestickers we are the bomb check them out ridestickers.com backslash from us here's our little spiely spiel video
Oh yeah, riot stickers. Okay, so we're, we we were asking a question before, and now it's time to answer. Why are zombie salmon so important to the ecosystem? Well, let me tell you why they are. Not only are migrating salmon a vital food source for natural predators such as bears and birds, but their dead bodies also support the river's food web because. Everything has a, its place in the circle of life. Um, these are yet two other fascinating aspects of the salmon's life and nature at work, life cycle and nature at work. Bears especially depend on the migrating salmon as they are rich in protein and fat. Every fall, they will return to the rivers to boost their energy reserves for the upcoming winter, winter because they're going to hibernate, right? So they need to they need to chow down on the salmon post spawn deceased salmon are as vital to the natural habitat as live ones. Their decaying bodies contribute to the healthier salmon populations and also increased salmon returns. Researchers have found that decomposing salmon carcasses can provide food for up to 137 species of microbes, insects, water invertebrates, birds, and mammals. As smolts, those are juvenile salmon, primarily feed on insects and invertebrates during their time in the river, the abundance in food naturally increases their growth rate and body size. So in turn, bigger and well-fed juvenile salmon have a better chance of survival and can return in greater numbers when their spawning time has come. And with that, the incredible and brilliant cycle of the salmon's life is is concluded. So it's kind of, I mean, it's like uh, it's sad and beautiful all at the same time. It's like it's like the the parents are going to die and feed the food source of their descendants, of their children, of their offspring, so that they can go and return at some point and do the same thing. And I guess that's, I don't know, man, there's like a lot of like sort of heavy life and death themes in, in that, in that story, in that idea. Um, just this idea that we, 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 everything's borrowed, man. Everything is borrowed. Even the, the nutrients in our bodies is borrowed and then returned and then lent to the next, to those who come after us, just as we took from those before. It's kind of beautiful when you think about it. Um, beautiful, tragic, scary, crazy, all of these things. Yeah, the bears are the bears are selective about their salmon. Um, it would be a good feast for scavengers, too. Yes. Uh, scary zombie salmon pictures. Now that you have read so much about these zombie salmon, I thought I'd include a few terrifying pictures of them to give you a better visual idea of how scary they can look. So here is, look at this guy. Look at this giant salmon that is slowly rotting. What better, I mean, what better word than zombie is there to describe a fish that loses chunks of its rotting flesh, has decaying skin with fungus growth on it, and a mouthful of big, sharp fang-looking-like fang and fang-like-looking teeth. So here's some pictures. Oh, look at that guy right there. Missing his eyeball. This crazy teeth. Here's another one. And that's what happens, man. They just, they rot. Sockeyed salmon rotting alive. Hmm. 
Are zombie salmon safe to eat? Good question. Good question. Generally, you should avoid eating zombie salmon. That is a sentence I never thought I would say in my life, as their flesh contains more bacteria and pathogens than that of fresh salmon. If you do, however, decide to take your zombie catch home with you, here are a few helpful guidelines from the Mi Michigan State University Extensions. Always avoid keeping fish that have visual visible decay. Keep the fish alive as long as possible. Clean and cool the fish as soon as possible. If you're not planning on eating your catch directly, uh, you can uh, freeze or smoke the fish to preserve it. Yeah, I want to I freeze or smoke a rotten fish. When you cook your catch, always make sure to reach an internal temperature of at least 145 degrees. Do not eat your catch raw. Always wash your hands with hot water and soap before and after handling the fish. Here's actually an interesting question. Do zombie salmon smell bad? I would imagine they do because I would imagine s salmon in general don't smell that great. Um, they smell fishy. As their bodies are literally decaying alive, zombie salmon, both before and after death, smell pretty badly. The, the more they deteriorate, the worse the smell gets. Uh, what is that? Anglers? Anglers who have caught live zombie salmon often describe their stench as a combination between spoiled fish and rotten tomatoes sometimes mixed with a hint of fecal matter as well. Ah, that's nice. But if you think that's bad, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, if you, but if you think that's bad, then you shouldn't visit a North American riverbank that's covered with dead zombie salmon because the stench of the rotting dead is even worse than the rotting living. Uh, you should read about the Salton Sea. That was a big problem with the Salton Sea. There's a great documentary narrated by John Waters about the Salton Sea. The, the dead zombies foul reek lingers along the riverbanks, and if the wind is wrong, it can be smelled for miles away. It's a genuinely stomach-turning stink that I, for one, can live without. Uh, suppose it wasn't for the natural process that guides the salmon's life cycle. Suppose it wasn't for the, I don't know what that means. I don't know why they wrote it like that. In that case, I'll call this phenomenon salmon hell on earth because we are all rotting dead. Wait, what? Because with all the rotting dead lying around, why? <laughs> because with all of the rotting dead lying and floating around, I'd say that's an accurate com comparison. Uh, what are zombie fish in Alaska? Zombie fish in Alaska are zombie salmon as well. The entire region is well known and very popular for both its commercial and sports fishing for Pacific salmon, which is why many people wonder what those mysterious zombie fish, what those, I, this is just not written well, which is why many people wonder what those mysterious zombie fish up in Alaska are all what? Um, this is this, you know, this almost feels like it was written by AI a little bit. No offense. It doesn't show an it doesn't show an author. I have a feeling this was written by an AI. Huh. How about that? Now, the other thing I want to show you, I know, is not written by an AI for sure. It was written by uh this is this is from Medium. It's from October 31st, 2018. So it was probably used as some Halloween themed content, right? And here we go. There's some nice, cool black and white pictures of our of our zombie salmon. I'm gonna make myself a little bit smaller and make this a little bit bigger. Look at that guy. Zombie. 
I like these. These photos could could almost be like uh, Pixie's album covers. Set in motion at birth, the fate of the Pacific salmon is like clockwork. Each year, a new generation returns from the sea to spawn, then death. Pacific salmon spawn only once per once per lifetime. As they make their final journey home, their silver sides blush as pigments that give their flesh its appetizing red hue move to their skin. The fat that models their tasty fillets burns up as females become vessels for plump, fatty eggs for both sexes. You know what's so different about the, I mean, that other thing sounds like it was written by artificial intelligence. This is written so much better, and it, it sounds like it's written by a human, and it doesn't give us an author's name, but it, the writing is so much better. In any case, the fat that models their tasty fillets burns up as females become vessels for plump, fatty eggs for both sexes. Fat stored in their muscles and livers is totally used up by the time they reach the spawning grounds. They grind their tails into the gravel, hoping to make deep enough nests. That's crazy. See, this is why you read two articles, because they leave out details in one. They're grinding their tails into the gravel to make deep enough nests that withstand the scour of ice and spring floods. Males tap into their reserves to grow fearsome teeth and hooked upper jaws that they use against each other. Look at these. So they fight. They're probably fighting. So zombie fish. So they're not just, they're not just like spawning. They're not just shooting their wads out. They're also fighting each other to shoot their wads out. The change, the changes salmon undergo near the end. Sorry, the changes salmon undergo near the end of their life are profound and system wide, including the eventual widespread deterioration of internal organs. So here we go. They get gnarly kipe and teeth, gnarly kipe and teeth form, widespread deterioration of the cardiovascular system, muscular degeneration, skin thickens. Uh, once silvery scales are absorbed and that's when the pigment changes and the stomach contracts markably as starvation sets in intestines atrophy kidneys testes liver degenerate so everything breaks down look at these guys they just try to make it up north the living dead when the frenzy's all said and done they're spent their fate sealed it's a matter of days a couple of weeks at most. God, we should have read this article first. It's way better. Uh, a Chinook salmon kills what limited time it's got left. It's just swimming around. A spent sockeyed salmon lurks under the surface of the Alaska's Kenai River. God, that must be... On one hand, it's like you, you must feel so accomplished in your goal of like reproducing. But on the other hand, like your life is over and your body is falling apart and it just must, oh God, that just seems so unfair. We found a fish that was almost certainly dead, huge chunks missing, badly decayed, an eye gone. But when we picked it up, it was decidedly not dead and took one last opportunity to spawn all over us. Zombie fish. Wow. Life after death. Just as they feed the masses when they're alive, salmon continue to give life long after they're dead. When the bears are satiated and the fish folk, fisher folk have gone home, others partake. Eyeballs, a sumptuous morsel for beaked scavengers, are often the first to go. Depending where the carcasses lay, they're fodder for fly larvae, 
and aquatic grazers like caddish flies. In an odd twist of fate, these same insects will feed the new generation of salmon incubating beneath the gravel. And we, we learned about that. One eating the other, eating the other, eating the other. Here's a bear eating a, a dead zombie fish. Look at this. Looks all slimy and yucky and gross. Um, here's some more. They have like some sort of worms or something. All the eyeballs are gone. It really is a grand surmisation of, of life and death when you think about it. Um, just really well represented here. Look at this. God. Many carcasses snagged by falling trees stay put or don't stray far. Others make their way up and over the banks of the rivers and into the woods and meadows, helping along, helped along by wildlife and high flows. Here, in perhaps a stroke of genius, the salmon feed trees that provide shade, and when they fall in, habitat for their offspring and snags to keep carcasses in place. That's so crazy. The quiet love affair between fish and trees. That would be something to read another time. Some slip past and make it back to the sea where they will give back some of, that, some of those marine nutrients that they use to fuel their systems, uh, their upstream, sorry, some will slip past, making it back to sea where they will give back some of the marine nutrients they use to fuel their upstream migration. Here's a picture of a fish of a salmon covered with like little maggot things. I don't know what the hell that is. What's up, Jody Ramon? How are you? How you doing tonight? We're talking about zombie salmon. Yeah, I had no idea that they fought either, but it totally makes sense. They're competing. They're competing to spread their seed. These are called, by the way, these are known as uh, ampho, amphipods, and they give new life to a salmon at the mouth of the Kodiak Islands Buskin River. Hmm. Look at this right here. Look at that, that rotten salmon guy. Salmon graveyards, a good thing. That's a weird name. That's a weird thing to say, a salmon graveyard. The rhythmic coming and going of salmon, salmon graveyards in streams all over Alaska and the Pacific Northwest is a natural, a bet sometimes slightly ghoulish phenomenon. Uh, where salmon runs have just declined or been lost, the graveyards stand empty. In some cases, salmon zombies are, be, are being returned to rebuild the nutrient deficient and help scientists learn about the important interaction between salmon zombies and their environment. So, so sometimes they're just introducing the corpses into the, the, the land because it just, it helps. And, and, and this was written, this was written by uh, Katrina uh, Leibick and she's based out in Anchorage, Alaska. And she is a great writer. Katrina, you did a great job with this. It's a lot. It was a lot shorter, but it was way more succinct and to the point. And so concludes our discussion about zombie salmon. Crazy stuff. I had no idea. I had no friggin' idea. Um, who knows? We'll be returning soon with more weird, wacky, wild stuff. As I said, um, three years. Three. Year, well, we can we can celebrate three years and on whatever that day is. Thursday is that Thursday. Uh, Thursday will make three years. Okay. Uh, in any case, peace, hair grease. Check out the Patreon. Lots of secret shows. Got a secret show coming up on the 27th. Um, 
part three of that secret topic we were secretly discussing. <laughs> hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee, but it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.